Podcast Fresh on the last episode of Podcast Fresh. Uh, so it turns out Will is actually super sick. He's it's got a, the uh, it's, it's a throat. He's got what people like to call like the man flu. You know, he's just being like yes. complaining about every little thing. And uh, the man flu, I guess it does happen. I guess everybody likes to say it doesn't happen. But if you ask people around us, it's like, yeah, you're a total baby when you're sick. I'm like, no, I'm not. What are you talking about? <laughs> see? Tiff says I'm a baby when I'm sick. I don't know. I don't see it, but whatever. is a story all about how a cap and chris just both sat down so we'd like to take some time and chill out there we'd like to talk a bit about the fresh prince of bel-air hello and welcome everybody to podcast fresh show number 24 dang my name is chris torres and we are emanating here from beautiful and uh, really, really cold Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We're going through another one of them, uh, like, Arctic blasts that we were going through a couple weeks ago. Um, since last week, it's just gotten colder, then it calmed down, and it got really, really sunny for a couple of days. And then, you know, Sunday was kind of like springtime. Um, and now it's kind of like we've experienced all four seasons in the course of a year, but we went through it over the course of a weekend. So that's kind of where we've been the last four days. But uh, I'm done flapping my gums. Let me make way for my co-host, Ryan Mello. Ryan, what's up, my brother? Man, you hit it on the head. It's cold as S-word over here, especially where I live. You live more down south, but man, up north, it's, it's pretty freezing. It's like negative 10 all the time this morning when i went to work it was negative 15 which was like the lowest that we've had it so far which really compared to past winters is not that bad but i think we've just had it so good that once i saw the negative 15 i was like oh my god what the hell is this i need another jacket dang um no but i've been good uh not feeling too great right now uh, as we've talked but uh yeah i just don't feel the the highest uh whatever i'll get through this um yeah, not much else going on. Uh, yesterday, That's yesterday, right. let's tell the audience we there was a, a thirty car pileup um, on the highway, pretty much right beside my house, and I, it it took oh it, like what usually takes me an hour to get home from work took three and a half hours. That has to be the the crappiest highlight of the week, right there, and that was only on a Monday. You should have just put Titanic on. You know how you like to watch a movie? If you just be like, "All right, it's going to be three hours. I might as well watch Titanic." Or um, you could have uh, you could have easily taken down, uh, you know, Age of Ultron or something like that. You know, on the way well, home, I, you could have easily killed one of those. I was movies. watching Friday. Damn! Put your glasses back on. <laughs> Friday, I wanted to watch next Friday, but then eventually I got bored. I started putting on beads and I was like freestyling in my car. I tried everything. I stopped for food. I got coffee. Like I was like, man, I am not going to get home anytime soon. But whatever. Eventually I got home and my night was pretty much shot by the time I got home. But whatever. 
That was yesterday. Wow. This is today. Let's get on with the show. Yeah, thank you for, for uh, you know, raining on all of us, Eeyore. I think I'm just, I'm just <laughs> out of my head right now, man. Hopefully, yeah. you are, you are. Uh, but you are contracted by the company to be here and do the show, so you are here. Um, and then after, and he's shackled right now. You guys can't see him. I can. He's shackled to his chair. He's handcuffed. He's locked in. He's got to do this show by contract. And uh, part of your contract is you can't say anything bad about me or the company. So it's kind of uh, a win-win for me. They had a, I had a sweater on and they took it away because they said I never do the show with a sweater and I can't start now. They just said I wouldn't look as fresh as I should be. Thanks so much. Continuity. No, Continuity. No, cold, but it's okay. Continuity. <laughs> but aside from that, uh, I guess the other, the, you know, in terms of like pop culture and stuff like that, last night they put the uh, the Raw Men's title on uh, Bobby Lashley. That was pretty fun to watch. That was eh? cool. I appreciate that a lot. I, I, I think we spoke not even that long ago about how he should get the strap at least one more, like, or at least one time uh, before he calls it quits because he's already in his 40s. So it's good to see. Really good to see. I mean, yeah, same thing. Yeah, it's kind of like it's good to see from a personal standpoint, but... Um, oh, story-wise, We'll see what, what they can do for business. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, they can do something with respect to the story, but, uh, you know, we'll get into this in the cafe, but you can even see, like, the way they're treating Matt Riddle, who just won the belt, you know, last week, made a big deal about him winning the U.S. title, and now he's already lost to Mustafa Ali, um, who, again, is another wrestler, but you're presenting all these guys as kind of jokes, so it's kind of... Hard to take anything serious, but nothing really matters. But anyway, we'll get into that in the podcast, Fresh Cafe. Um, let me throw in some plugs here. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube under Podcast Fresh. And we're on Twitter, Podcast Fresh T.O. Ryan, what's the email address, brother? It is uh, podcastfresh2020 at gmail.com. Feel free to email us anytime, any day. Yeah, well said. Um yeah, so let's get into the next episode. It's season two, episode 19, called Eyes on the Prize. This was the original air date, February 17th, 1992. We're on the pre-credits where uh, Phil's kind of under the sink there fixing some pipes. Viv is kind of giving him hell, saying that he almost killed Jeffrey the last time that he fixed the toaster. So Viv picks up the phone and asks Phil... Uh, at that point, she picks up the phone and she goes, wait a minute, did you, did you do something to the phone? And Phil says that there was some static, so he fixed it. Viv says, but now there's no dial tone. And Phil says, yes, and there's also no static. <laughs> Phil gives, uh, Phil, Will gives Aunt Viv the keys back for the car. I guess he was out and about. She wonders uh, when he's going to be getting his car fixed. And Will says that he doesn't have to now that he's going to be on a game show that he signed up for at the mall. She's happy for him. And then a pipe hisses in the, underneath the sink. And Phil says, uh-oh, as we go to the uh, to the credits. What did you think about this uh, pre-scene? Uh, did you remember right away that we're going to go to the game show in this episode? Dude, I don't remember this episode at all. This is one of those that just flew over my head. Um, so I, it sounded great. I liked how wholesome the opening was that Phil is fixing a pipe. We, didn't have, we never see Phil fix anything. So this was cool. We get to see a side of Phil that... Uh, we didn't really know existed. We just assumed Je- Jeffrey did uh, did everything. Actually, to my knowledge, I think they've had a plumber t- on this show before, but uh, I could be wrong. Oh, but, yeah, that guy that was hitting yeah, on... Yeah, uh, Haiti. Haiti, Haiti yeah, right. yeah. So I guess Phil doesn't want to pay that guy anymore. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a nice little wholesome 
intro it sets up something pretty cool that he's going to be on a game show so this is either going to be off the wall or uh it could actually be uh, meaning something so i don't know pretty cool i like how this goes in line with phil's obsession over like gizmos and gadgets you know he's always been into the technology side of things when he tried to convert vivian's closet into one of those mechanical closets and it ended up breaking down (laughs) um so I I like I like it the do your do it yourself projects that he's into he's an enthusiast but he's he's so terrible at it but I think the part of the reason is that he likes all these things it, it probably doesn't remind him of anything to do with work you know what right. I'm saying like uh, I don't know for example you like to play video games during your time off but I bet the least game that you'd want to play would be like a construction game because that's what you do for a living right <laughs> I hate uh, what's that game. Wrecking crew. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, And so, I mean, that's a very specific and almost ridiculous example. But you get what I'm saying, right? Um, So, yeah, so this is completely different than his kind of legal world. So I think that's why he kind of enjoys it. Any other comments here, Pac? No, just excited to see where this goes. Yeah, I bet you never have to deal with this. The kids are all complaining that the phone is down. Hillary says that it's like they've been wiped from the face of the earth, which is a really dramatic line. Uh, Carlton finds out which game Will is going to be on, and it's Double Trouble. And he immediately smiles, and he, you can already tell he's getting ready to roast Will. He actually goes easy on it, but he says that um, it's going to be if it's going to be worth the embarrassment for a lifetime supply of Alberto VO5. Ryan, you're a young guy. Have you ever heard of Alberto VO5? Not at all. So Alberto VO5 is this hair product that came out, I would say, in the 80s and 90s. It was really, really big. And uh, the VO5 line was like one of the best lines. So it was just all over the place. Like uh, Hair Club for Men, you know, like mm-hmm. those kind of brands from the 90s, you know, that were just... Uh, really, really big English leather, just like these different companies that provided uh, products to pharmaceutical companies and pharmacies alike. And the VO5 was no different. Uh, so it says Alberto Culver was a manufacturer of hair and skin beauty products until the company was sold in 2010. You might recognize some of these ones. Some of the brands included under the Alberto VO5 umbrella include Tresem which I believe my sisters use those products, and St. Ives. And uh, I've, I've, I have a few of their uh, hand creams and uh, face scrubs and stuff like that. So there you go. It's pronounced... Hey, boy's got to take care of himself. Don't judge me. Don't judge me, okay? I'm trying to take care of myself That's here. That's fine. I'm just going to judge your pronunciation. It's called <laughs> Tresemme. All right, fool? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't French. <laughs> And I don't know why I just said I ain't French, but in like a southern accent. Yeah, that accent. makes sense. Wait, how I south? mean, it makes sense. What? Yeah, you would not be French, sir. You're from the south. <laughs> oh, man. Yes, yeah, so that's a little street knowledge, a little trivia for you guys. You're not going to find out on fandom. So uh, there you go. I see Alberto V05. Um, and then it was purchased in 2010 by a UK company called Unilever. And I think you'll still see a lot of these products out there. Trey Sam or not. Um, uh, yes, there you go. That's Alberto Culver. It's Tresemme, goddammit. Uh, well, <laughs> Trey Sam. That's terrible. Will, Will says that all he has to do is answer some questions and have some fun. <laughs> have some stuff. <laughs> what the fuck was this? <laughs> <laughs> Will says 
so, so they're talking about this game that and Will says that all he has to do is answer some questions and uh, just have some stuff squirted yeah. on him. Hillary chimes in that, isn't that what Jimmy Swaggart got arrested for? This one, Ryan, here's my head, and here's his reference. Yeah, right over my head. I had no idea what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> so I did a little digging, you know, a long investigation, meaning I quickly checked on Wikipedia. Here's what I found. You love shovels. Jimmy Lee Swaggart, uh, born March 15, 1935, is an American Pentecostal evangelist. Oh! Swaggart's TV ministry, which began in 1971, has a viewing audience both in the U.S. and internationally. The weekly Jimmy Swaggart telecast and a study in the word programs are broadcast throughout the U.S. and on 78 channels in 104 other countries. Oh, my God. Mi gente, my people, what are we doing? And, of course, over the Internet. At its height in the 1980s, his telecast was transmitted to over 3,000 stations and cable systems each week. Dang! That'll get you some reach. Jesus. His telecast was transmitted to over 3,000 stations and cable systems each week. That's insane. That is pretty wild. He, that's, uh, he currently owns and operates the Sunlight Broadcasting Network and Family Worship Center in Bapati Boopy, Louisiana. <laughs> you know, and here we go. Sexual scandals with prostitutes in the late, we've lost Ryan, in the late 1980s and early 1990s led the Assemblies of God to defrock him, uh, which sounds vicious. Um, as a result he? of the scandals, Swaggart temporarily stepped down as the head of Jimmy Swaggart Ministries. You know, to save some face. Um, basically, I did some more reading. And I'm not going to bore anybody, so I'll just summarize it. This guy was in and out of court the entire time. In the late 80s and uh, early 90s, um, all of it for stuff to do with prostitutes. So an unsavory character, but there you go. So Viv asks who his partner is going to be since, you know, you need a tag team partner for this game show. And of course, this shouldn't be a surprise. One of Ryan's favorite characters and mine is going to be Kellogg Lieberbaum. And very smart guy, goes to school, well studied. And he's urban enough that he can think outside the box under <laughs> Will's teachings. So um, it's going to be Kellogg. Phil's had it with the complaints about the phone. And he says, you know what? If one more person says a word about that fucking phone. <laughs> and guess who shows up? It's Jazz. He walks in and he goes, hey, there's something wrong with your phone. <laughs> Cut to Phil throwing Jazz outside. That's got to be a new record. And of course... <laughs> No, I think he's been thrown out twice in one no, day. No, no, I mean in terms of quickness. <laughs> like That was pretty fast. That was pretty fast. Jazz comes back in. Tyreek also shows up in the living room. So Will and Jazz are, are there, um, joined by Tyreek. So all three of them are by themselves in the living room. They're basically, we're kind of, they're, they're politicking here for um, to try to get the spot as Will's partner. And they both found out that Will at, uh, is going to be on this game. And when he asks both of them, where they found out from, and they said that they found out from uh, Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles that Will's <laughs> going to be on this show. So, um, Will's like, "What? Why? Why? Why would you? You know, why would they? Why would you say anything? Why would they say anything?" Et cetera, et cetera. But to me, it's kind of like, dude, it's your fault for opening your mouth. I mean, you're you're blabbing around town that you're going to be on this game show. Of course, your best friends who are going to try to gain from you yeah. <laughs> in this case are going to find you. So I just thought that was that was kind of funny. Yeah, a hundred percent. This this wasn't going to go any other way. If you start telling too many people where he gets around. Um, oh, definitely. So, yeah. It's an interesting dynamic so far. 
Will reaffirms that Kellogg is the choice for the game show, and Tyreek wants Will to choose one of them. So Will's already made his choice, uh, but but uh, Tyreek wants Will to choose one of them in case he was going to choose one. Will still says no. Tyreek and Jazz then start going at it, showing off who's a better friend. So they're you know they're all trying to get on uh, Will's good side. Jazz says that he watched this and he calls Phil his tubby, uneducated brother, and he gets thrown out. So that's just kind of Jazz showing off that he's a little bit smarter than Tyreek. But um, both of them here sort of get buried as kind of like Will's dumb friends. Yeah. Wait, why did he do that again? I forget. Like, Jazz called Phil to throw him out on purpose. Yeah, it was so random. So basically... Is it because um, of the walking, jazz the walking said, thing, right? No, Jazz looks at him and he goes, yeah, but you have to walk out of here. I don't have to. Exactly. Goes, you have to walk to your car, don't you? He goes, yeah, how are you going to get to your <laughs> car? And that's when he makes the comment at Phil. So Phil, the idea is that Phil launches him like 30, 40 <laughs> yards car. all the way to his car. <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I thought that was such a weird, like, you know. That's funny as hell. Such a random line. Oh, man. Yeah, so he got thrown out. The next day, Jeffrey's in the kitchen trying to make coffee with the low, um, the low water pressure, basically where the tap is. Will's mad that someone broke the three-minute shower rule, so now everybody's got to kind of suffer with this water situation that's getting worse and worse. Will tells Viv that there must be something she could or perhaps couldn't do. <laughs> Man. It ain't no water pressure. Somebody in this house broke the three-minute shower limit. Obviously, it wasn't you. <laughs> Would you mind standing downwind? <laughs> My fault, G. I guess I got a kind of a Pepe Le Pew thing going here. Good morning. Aunt Viv, can you please tell Uncle Phil to call the plumber? There got to be something you can do. Or not do. <laughs> Jeffrey, can I get some coffee, please? I'm working on it, madam. When will it be ready? At this rate? Oh, about the time Queen Elizabeth opens for Queen Latifah. Mother, why can't Daddy be like other lawyers and hire people and then sue them for inferior work? I mean, look at my hair. It hasn't been washed in 24 hours. I can't possibly go to work looking like this. Man, you sure can't. You should probably call in ugly. Will, I hate to rain on your fashion parade, but the mom's Mabley look is definitely passe. I was trying to take a shower, but it ain't no water pressure because somebody broke the three-minute shower limit. What? Don't, don't give me that. Look at these fingernails. Look behind these ears. How long did you bathe today, young lady? Seven minutes. I'm sorry, but I had to wash. I have enough problems. I'm going through puberty, for God's sake. Good morning, everyone. Hey, Aunt Viv, I'm telling you, if we band together, we can take him. Leave him alone, honey. He's mine. Philip, baby, if uh, Mr. Goodwrench wants to visit Mrs. Toolbox, you better get Mr. Water running. Carlton, get the yellow pages. <laughs> I thought that was a random little scene, but 
Man, have you ever had water issues anywhere you've lived, Ryan, where like the water had to be turned off for a couple of days or there was some plumbing going on or something? Actually, when I first moved here, there was some some shenanigans with the water right away. Um, my hot showers wouldn't last more than like, frick, I don't know, three minutes, five minutes. Like, and I, I didn't understand what was going on. So then if I showered first, like Tiff couldn't shower pretty much until a couple hours later. So... What ended up happening was one time uh, Tiff was in the basement and she smelt gas. So she called Enbridge and then they sent a guy over and apparently the water line was leaking. So he all he did was tighten it and that solved my hot water problems. I felt like a mark. I feel like that was too easy and I should have looked into it. But um, that was pretty much it. It was annoying. Like for a couple, I think two months, we were kind of dealing with that, just being... We just moved here, so it's like we got so much going on, but that was like the least of our worries. But man, like sometimes she wouldn't, she she didn't tell me she would shower, so she showers and leaves. I get home from work, all it is is cold water. It's like, oh my god, this sucks. But I showered anyway, really fast because like I just I hate not showering after work. But anyway, that's my my story. Have you have you ever had that? Uh, just during construction. And, you know, where I live now, sometimes they got to shut the power off from, like, 9 to 5 to fix the pipes or whatever it is that they're doing in the building. So that can kind of be a pain in the ass. You don't realize you don't realize how often you need water. Like, we're so lucky right. to live in a first-world country where we just go to this tap and turn this tap and this stuff comes out that you can do so much with. And... For me, yeah, having no water from 9 to 5, like, there's literally nothing you can do. Can't flush the toilet. Can't wash your hands. You can't take a shower. You can still brush your teeth. Uh, although I know some people that cannot brush your teeth without a glass of water. But yeah. stuff like that. And then you go into the fri- into the kitchen. Um, oh, you have no pop or no juice? Well, you can't have water either. You can't. You know, there's just so much that you need water for. You want to make something to eat? Oh, you need water, you know? Oh, yeah. It's um, definitely essential. So, yeah. And those are just like the, the 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 dumb three or four things that I can think of just getting up and operating day to day. So, no, nothing like, uh, you know, I've heard horror stories. I had a friend who was from the Philippines. And I don't know if it's like this still or, or certain parts or whatever, but he would tell me that uh, there was only enough power sometimes to power like half the town so half the town would get power and then half the other town would be like on a low power mode or something like that like you wouldn't Jesus. really be able to use the power for anything crazy and then like uh i don't know how i don't know how the schedule worked and then the schedule would flip again and then they'd flip the power again and now the power would go to the other side it would become weaker on the other side and this would sometimes work with water as well well half part of the town got the water then it would shut it off and then the other half got it it's like you had to plan your life, your showers and cooking dinners and stuff like that on a schedule. And I'm sure it's not just the Philippines, but uh, that's where my buddy told me firsthand where he where uh, he experienced it because he's from there. I couldn't imagine. Like, we, we complain about stupid water issues here every now and then, but there are countries that just yeah deal with it, like, on the regular, and it's just a normal thing. It's crazy. So later on, Will is watching Double Trouble on TV Jazz comes in with a present for Will, and he's using big words trying to impress him. Will opens the present. It's a, big, a picture of Jazz, which 
here it's turned into a bigger of jazz. It's a picture <laughs> of jazz. Tyree comes in with some astronomy telling him that, you know, we're in the third planet for this from the sun, et cetera, et cetera. He gives Will a present oh as well. It's God, a little fuck. bear named Winky. Will's not impressed. He disses the name, and it turns out that Winky is Tyrese's father's name. Jazz and Tyreek start dissing each other, and then Jeffrey comes in. He has a note from Lieberbaum. He's left town as he was getting death threats to leave town. So now both Tyreek and Jazz are in his face. So now they, now they both really want that spot that they know for sure uh, Lieberbaum has uh, forfeited. And as Carlton starts making his way across the living room, Will quickly chooses Carlton. And he says he chooses Carlton for this one. Tyreek and Jazz ask Carlton, um, or ask what Carlton has that they don't. And then Will says he's got Betty Davis eyes, which I thought was a really, really nice line there. Betty Davis eyes is a song written and composed by Donna Weiss and Jackie DeShannon in 1974. Released in 1975. is originally recorded by the latter in that year but was made popular by the American singer Kim Carnes in 1981 when it spent nine non-consecutive weeks on top of the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. So there you go. Damn. That's a good tune. You know that song, eh, Ryan? Yeah, I do. It's awesome. Look, it's like this, y'all. It's like with Carlton... Carlton, who is Captain Kangaroo's friend? Mr. Green Jeans. How many players on a cricket team? Eleven. Letters not on a phone dial. Q and Z. Best picture, 1936. The Great Ziegfeld. Third wife of Julius Caesar. Calpurnia. You see? (laughs) And Carlton impresses by answering all of that correctly. He then tells Will that, surprise, I actually don't want to go on the show. So basically... Carlton's angle is kind of like, look, you can afford to be embarrassed, but I can't. I have this really big future in the law firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, Carlton still doesn't want to join, but Will basically blackmails him by telling Phil that last Saturday, Carlton got home at 10, but that his drawers didn't get home until Sunday morning. So <laughs> Carlton goes, let the games begin, <laughs> which I thought was awesome. <laughs> I like anytime they do those about faces, they're always funny, man. They just, oh, man. They, these people, these kids do like to blackmail each other, eh? Oh, man, they, that is the number one thing that goes on with them, man, shit. Like, whenever there's a, whenever one needs something and they need the help of someone else, there's always some kind of blackmail ready to go as a tactic. It's funny. Yeah, it is funny. And so, it works here again, because, you know, Carlton doesn't want to get in trouble. Right. It's so funny how in the series they associate like having sex with with trouble, you know, like the yeah. parents can never find out that <laughs> Hillary knows about condoms or birth control or that um, Will and Carlton are sexually active. You know, they make no qualms about that. Right. And now it's kind of like in a strange way, like even Ashley, they're like grooming her like, oh, I'm in puberty and all this other yeah. stuff. and. Uh, some of that stuff's a little weird, but I was like, okay, I mean, I guess we're going through this whole show as a family. It's going to represent different parts about being in a family, and part of that is that. Yeah. I mean, I could appreciate it. It's watching it's the ballsy, but like, yeah, it's cool, you know? No pun intended. Yeah, yeah exactly. No pun intended to the ballsy. At the double trouble game, we see Will and Carlton. Uh, getting introduced here, which is pretty cool. They have a really nice setup. Tonight they're taking on, and they're introduced as Tyree comes out first. 
He's, he's wearing his best shirt all tucked in. And then from around the corner, it's Dr. Jazzy Jeff, MD, PhD, and OPP. <laughs> and Jazz is just so happy to be there. He goes right up and puts an arm around the host. Really, really funny stuff. What did you think about this ridiculousness? How the hell did they just get on the show? <laughs> you know? Like, where are the guys? Right? That's what I was wondering. Where are the guys that they were supposed to face? That's hilarious to me. So, of course, the host is Bob Eubanks. He's the, uh, well, he's, he's, he's been in everything, but mostly famous for uh, the Newlywed Show. Mm. And uh, has basically done everything on TV, radio. I mean, he's, and he's still alive, which is pretty uh, incredible considering wow. it feels like he's been around forever already. But he's the host here. And um, <laughs> it's just a fun little segment. At the commercial break inside of the show, Will walks over to Jazz and Tyreek excitedly. Uh, but Jazz pretends that he doesn't know him. So Will's kind of there like, hey, guys, how'd you guys get on the show kind of yeah. thing? It never really gets answered because he immediately starts saying, oh, look, it's that backstabbing Smith boy. <laughs> so now Tyreek and Jazz have formed like this little, you know, tag team. Uh, and I guess in their own minds, they're the baby faces and Will's the heel. But you can easily look at it the other way. But I just thought it was really funny the way that dynamic worked. Um so at this point, Will's like, all right, that's fine. So he took his licks there, and Will says, that's fine. When I win the car and I go to the beach, both of you guys can grab a bus and meet him there. And this gets an O from the crowd. <laughs> First question, and Carlton buzzes in, but as he begins to get into his long-winded answer, he's basically buzzed out. Okay, here we go again. Hands on your buzzers. Next question. Tell me, what is the capital of Ohio? Tyreek. <clears throat> that would be the capital O, Bob. <laughs> o? Yeah, that's right, Bob. Uh, Ohio. You know, capital O, little H. Do I have to spell the whole thing? Uh, I guess I didn't say capital city. I'll have to get a ruling from our judges. Judges, what do you, what do you say? Hey, sounds like the judges are accepting that answer. Sounds like the judges drank their lunch. That, that was kind of ridiculous, I thought. I it is it would never happen on an actual game show that we actually see on TV, but I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. Like I could see it passing for some whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. I really like um the usage of the Tyreek character this season. They've yeah. really used him a lot. And Jazzy Jeff even though he's only in a, quor a quarter of the episodes of the series or less, at least throughout season one and now two, he's really back and he's really become a focal point of the storylines. I don't know if you've kind of noticed that as well. Oh, yeah. Once he made his return, he the roles he got were more prominent. Like, it tr like even though he's technically been in less episodes in season two so far than in season one, he's spoken a lot more than in season one so it's cool that he's like literally yeah in the in the spotlight so to speak um one thing i want to say with tyreek and jazz they're both dumb you know but they have their own kind of certain charms that the other one doesn't have like they're just two different people but they're the same person at the same time i think it's awesome and uh once tyreek came into the picture i was always wondering if they would do a show or an episode where like Jazz and Tyreek would kind of be not feuding, but kind of be like fighting over Will or just in some kind of episode together. And we got that here. So I was really happy with that. 
And uh, the fact that they flipped it on us, you would think like it's them beefing, but it's not. It's they're trying to take Will down together, which is a really nice change of pace. So I just want to say I appreciate all that. That's uh, that was really cool. And um, as for your, your thing about jazz, yeah, man, he it's good that we're seeing him more and more. And I hope this continues. So we're off to the next question. And the question is, the rain in Spain stays mainly in where? And Carlton buzzes in, and before he can go on another tangent, Will jumps in and says, in the plains. And they're correct for 100 points. We then go to another commercial break. Uh, after a break, we have Carlton and Tyreek on high chairs watching as Will and Jazz have to go around in circles. It's even more ridiculous than how I'm explaining it. <laughs> They're doing these little laps on these tricycles, these grown men, while their partners who are on top of these like tall chairs, like almost like um like a life saving like chair, yeah, like, like a, a lifeguard. Like the lifeguards the yeah. yeah. And they're throwing fruit at them, like grapes and all kinds of stuff. At another station, they're grabbing those same fruits and are not putting those fruits into a blender. And they're blending these fruits into a pulp and into a juice. And then they're putting these this juice and pulp into these plastic toy guns and then they are riding their tricycles back to their partners and squirting the juice into the mouth of Carlton Tyreek the fuck did I just <laughs> read It didn't seem that ridiculous when I was typing this out. <laughs> now, well, now, three hours later, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> what a stupid You show. have to watch the scene. It is as ridiculous uh, and as stupid as I just described it. You, what did you think of this insanity? I didn't, right? Yeah, that. I didn't know what I was watching. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, It was, it was literally <laughs> like they, they had this a dartboard with these stupid ideas, and they were throwing darts, and whatever it landed on, they would go with it. Yeah, right. It made no sense, oh, man. So this funny. was so right. And I didn't even understand the rules. Like, why were they on the bikes? And not to mention they're wearing ridiculous, like, fruit hats with those, like, dresses. I don't know. It, it, it had no, I didn't understand the goal of it. Like, I just didn't get it. They, they didn't make it clear. Yeah. They were just like, the stupider you act, the more points you get. It's like, okay. Yeah. I love the set that they were on. Very retro kind of 80s style. Oh, yeah. Vice-ish kind of stage with the the use of the different pastel colors and the neons. Everything was fucking neon. And the shapes. My God, that they love their shapes in the 80s. Everything squares and triangles and shit. Yeah. Um, really, really nice. But I, I, yeah, I enjoyed the uh, the different look of the set. I just thought this stuff with the fruit was really gross. I was like, oh, man, what are we watching Yeah, it was here? really weird. It, it was... They could have done literally anything else. <laughs> you know? Definitely. Oh, man. For the next round, Will and Jazz are in the soundproof room while Tyreek and Carlton answer some questions. In the soundproof room, though, Will can be seen going at it with Jazz. They're fighting. They're throwing each other into the walls. Will's getting the best of them. He takes down Jazz, and he t- does the old uh, elbow drop right on him. And then afterwards, Jazz stands up, and he looks like he's crying. Will looks sad, too. This whole time, Tyreek's kind of like watching this through like his peripheral. <laughs> and um, when they ask Tyreek his question... He uh, he turns to answer, but he says, I can't do this right now. He walks over to the soundproof room, opens the door, and then Will, Jazz, and Tyreek all hug it out. 
to end the show. The end. <laughs> <laughs> what a finish. This episode did not disappoint. What a finish. Just so ridiculous. And uh, that was the big gimmick back then, too. They used to like using the soundproof room. Oh, yeah. oh, we're going to put you in the soundproof room, which is probably more a gimmick than anything else, you know. But sometimes they did have the gimmick like, uh, hey, put on these big headphones on your head. Right. You won't hear anything, you know, or whatever. But uh, there you go. What did you think of this finishing sequence with the elbow drop and, and everything else here? It lived up to the game show. The game show was ridiculous, and the ending was just as ridiculous. Uh, didn't disappoint me, honestly. If there was any other episode, I would give it so much flack. But for some damn reason, this really this really connected with me. <laughs> there you go. So we'll get into some trivia here. It was Macon McCollum plays Dr. Baylor in this episode. He also appeared in Ill Will from Season 2. Macon McCullman was born on December 30, 1932 in Memphis, Tennessee, USA. He's an actor known for Smoking the Bandit in 1977, Deliverance in 1972, and The Client in 1994. He suffered a heart attack in 1997, ending his career. He died on November 29, 2005 in Memphis at the age of 72. So, young dude there. Rest in peace. Um, for the double trouble question about the rain in Spain, it is a reference to the song in My Fair Lady. This is the second reference to that movie, as in season one, episode three, Clubba Hubba, they recreate a scene in which Phil and Carlton try their best to show Will how to act and walk like a gentleman. You remember that one, eh, right? Oh, yeah, that was a good one. They're putting on the different bow ties and they're showing him the different cutlery. <laughs> I always remember Phil Carlton and Will in front of the mirror trying on the bow ties and like just seeing how how, to, how it's all going to come together. That's a good one, man. I missed that one. Yeah. And Will ridiculously like choking himself with the bow tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like clips it. And then I remember yeah. we questioned, how did he do that when in the first episode of the whole show, he had a bow tie on? <laughs> He's wearing a bow tie. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so, man, that was episode three. Damn. Bob Eubanks played himself. Bob Eubanks was born on January 8, 1938 in Flint, Michigan, USA, as Robert Leyland Eubanks. He is a game show host, radio DJ, TV personality, producer, actor, known for Home Alone 2, Lost in New York in 1992, Payback in 1991, and Johnny Dangerously, 1984. He's been married to Debbie James since 2004. They have one child. He was previously married to Irma Brown, who passed away in 2002. He gained fame for the newlywed game, 1966, and Card Sharks, 1978, but has been instrumental in many things TV and radio and is considered a living legend. Bob is 83 years old. What do you think of Bob Eubanks? Oh, didn't really get a chance to. It was really short and sweet, yeah. but all it needed to be. Yeah, no. The minute that guy talks, it's like, okay, you have a radio voice. It's kind of like, uh, oh man, I forgot the gentleman's name, but he pay, played Max last week in the uh, Ill Will episode. Um, okay, they have that radio voice that's so nice to uh, to hear. So I'm not really that familiar with him to be honest, but it, it's one of those guys that yeah, I've seen him around. <laughs> right. Right. And then my uh, funny zingers of the show. I have, I have a few of them. One of them is when Carlton says, only someone with the highest dignity will be considered when he's telling Will about his position. And Will says, yeah, that or a tight butt. And Carlton says, either way, I'm in good shape. 
<laughs> Another one's when when Jazz says for you in recognition of our salubrious and, and sudorific friendship, and Will says, "Yo, man, you got some salube on the side of your lip." When he's trying to kiss his ass there, uh, Tyreek says, "What's he doing here?" And Will says, "Yo, you both still ain't angry about that watch." And Tyreek says, "He sold me a fake watch." And Jazz says, "He paid it with a fake twenty." And Will says, you should have known it was fake when the guarantee was for one hour. And you should know that the Jackson of the 20 ain't your main. So I like that old double indemnity. But my favorite, for whatever reason. I mean, look at my hair. It hasn't been washed in 24 hours. I can't possibly go to work looking like this. Man, you sure can't. You should probably call in ugly. There you go. Ryan, give us your final thoughts on this episode and uh, give us your rating. Uh, yeah. I think this episode is one of the funniest ones that you could see in season two, at least. Um, probably the whole show, but definitely season two. Very, very humorous. Um, like I said before, I'm really happy that we got Jazz and Tyreek in one episode where they it's dialogue heavy and they kind of like... Apparently, they know each other already, but to us, it's like they just met. So it was cool to see. Um, everyone else in this episode all did great. Uh, Carlton did great with his, uh, as usual, trying to be the smartest guy in the room. But really, he's just complicating things. Uh, Hillary with the jabs, of course. Phil, Vivian. Everyone had a good good line here. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was really, really funny. And... You know, nothing deep, but just really, really funny. Like I said, uh, it's just there's not much else to it. For that, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 strictly for the humor. Because if you're trying to factor in anything else that we usually grade the show on, then you're not going to get that here. But if we're just talking humor like the show is supposed to be, then it's an 8 out of 10 for me. Good stuff. Orion gives it an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I'm right in the same ballpark as you, Ryan. I was actually debating a seven or an eight, mm-hmm. uh, but I went with a seven on this one. And uh, you know me, brother. I don't mind choosing eight just like you, but I really, <laughs> I really did choose seven at the end of the day. I thought it was a fine episode. Oh yeah, and it might not be in my twenty-five to take to the beach, but it's in my thirty-five. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, I, I I enjoyed this episode for a couple different reasons, which you already covered. So I'll keep it short. Um, this is an episode that I do not remember at all. So to me, this was a brand new IP, baby. There's a brand new episode, brand new day. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny. I like the usage of Tyreek. He's really grown on me, and sadly. I think he's only here for like the for this season. I think I don't think he comes back very often. But um, him and I definitely like Jazz as well, especially after we just saw Jazz sort of get what I called sort of his own episode a couple shows ago. He was really good here too, and I think even Carlton was really funny. Carlton really surprised me in this episode and the one that you're going to cover. Really, really good stuff. Um, like I always say. His humor always lies in the script, the writing, the way he delivers his line, his cadence, everything else. Like, you expect he's going to say one thing, but he actually goes the other, you know? And that's part of the humor with Carlton's character. Um, He has a chance to diss Vanilla Ice, but he surprises you by putting over Vanilla Ice. In fact, making him look silly, you know? (laughs) So I think I really enjoyed the Carlton character, and I thought it was a fine episode. So I'm going to give it... um, seven out of ten it's got a really good what i would call like kind of like replay value and 
like I said, uh, in the, going back to the episode where they filmed the music video, Tyreek has a really good heart because he never runs away. He always gives Will kind of like what the solution should be or what the advice would be, even though he doesn't always stick around for the advice, right. you know. But Tyreek does have uh, does have Will's back for sure, and obviously so does Jazz. And I think once both of them see that in themselves, Jazz and Tyreek, that's where they kind of get that uh, that mutual respect that I think we're going to be cool from this point going forward. Yeah, they they're they're a great trio. Like. You know what I mean? Like, they're a great trio. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that's going to do it for this episode. So there you go. Ryan with the eight and me with the seven. And uh, we're going to listen to a little Betty Davis eyes coming right now. And uh, we'll get back to you guys in a bit.
All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed some uh, Betty Davis eyes. And now we're going to get into episode 20 titled Those Were the Days, original air date February 24th, 1992. So we start at the bank's kitchen with Will going nuts, taking pictures of Phil. Uh, He's telling him to Vogue. (laughs) Uh, Phil's just like, no. Aunt Viv asks Will why he's been taking pictures of everything for the past couple of days. Will says it's a photography assignment and uh, he wants to do something meaningful and meaningful and artistic but without people getting naked. This gets a pop from the crowd that I didn't understand why, but okay. Uh, and nothing like a little nudity, I suppose. You I know? suppose. It just, it's just kind of... Uh, you laugh at the joke, but you're not supposed to ask any questions. Yeah. But it's because it's kind of like, dude, you're still in high school. How old are these people <laughs> that you're taking naked pictures of? But it's dressed up as an art thing. So it's kind of like acceptable. you blur that line and it's kind of like, well, he can't say anything. It's part of the art. But you know he wants to do the naked pictures. That's Oh, crazy. he's saying it from like a pervy, he's... like, oh, maybe I'll get some nude models oh, yeah. or something. You know, It's almost like he's saying, can you give me the go ahead to do so? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um but anyway, Carlton walks by. He has a nice camera setup. He's got a tripod. He's got the whole nine. And um, he sets it up. And Will just goes, you know what? The assignment's due today. And you haven't snapped a single picture. And Carlton just says, don't worry. He snaps pictures of himself in different poses. Will just says that this isn't the Prince video. So Carlton was doing these very Prince-like uh, gestures and poses with his hands. And he was just sitting at a table. He was literally taking selfies before selfies. Yeah, I thought about that. You know? And I like how Will immediately crushes him. He goes, this is a photography assignment, not a, what is it? A, a Prince, Prince photo shoot? A Prince video, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I found it right away weird that Will was like, the assignment's due today and you're not done. Like, that was like, whoa. <laughs> That's a Carlton thing right there. Yeah. I thought that was kind of. I guess Carlton felt like this was a slam dunk and. Just an easy he A. He could get away with doing it on the last easy day. Easy A. Yeah. I thought a lot of things were easy A's and uh, they weren't. Jeffrey walks in saying that an old friend of Phil's is here. When asked who it was, Jeffrey Jeffrey said she wouldn't say and that she was too busy calling him a pathetic servant of the capitalist fat cats. Phil and Vivian look at each other and yell out, Marge. In walks Marge. She introduces herself to Carlton and Will, and she says to Will that uh, he actually looks like her old boyfriend. Will then says, I take it he was blindingly handsome. And she, she says, turns out... Uh, she says that her boyfriend was actually Eldridge Cleaver, which is her ex, who was uh, pretty revolutionary. Carlton tries to make a joke. The no-sell was diabolical. No one gave a damn about his stupid j- leave-it-to-beaver joke. Um, <laughs> and then Marge just says that, because um, Will is questioning how he knows Eldridge. Marge says that she knows him because they were all in movement together. Her, Eldridge, Olafami, and Adesimbo. And then when Will is like, who the hell's that? Marge says, well, Phil was Olafami and Vivian's Otisimbo. And they raise their fists in the air. Will says, okay, I'm about to bust a gutter. This was a really, really cool intro, man. Like, it was so different. And it's like, what are we in for here? This is something that we don't know about Phil and Vivian. And we're about to uh, do a deep dive into their past. Yeah. So she is... uh She's Phil's ex? No, they were just all friends. They were all like uh, radicals. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah, we're definitely learning a lot about the banks before this. Oh, yeah. And 
The cool thing is, is that when you see episodes like this, they really don't come from out of left field or out of, you're right. It is a newer episode with a different flavor and everything, but it's covering nothing that hasn't already been hinted at from that very first episode when Will's putting up the posters of Malcolm X and Phil tells him in that very same episode, he goes, I went to the marches. I went to go see the brother speak. Right. And he goes, oh man, you want to see the brother speak? He goes, I was there. This is when Will was like, what do you know about, you know, yeah, he came yeah. up with that kind of attitude and Phil shut that shit down. He, goes, he shut that shit down. So to see it blossom into a whole episode. It's a nice um, callback. In that direction is pretty cool. You're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And Marge. Good work. I was going to, oh, I was going to bring that up, but you beat me to it. Shit. Look at him. Look at Chrissy. Damn. I thought, I thought you were going to move on. So I want to jump in there real quick. No, nah, you stole my thunder. Damn you. All right. There you go. That was, uh, we lead into the intro credits. And we do the whole theme song, you know, this was a story all about how, whatever. And then back at the Banks house, we see the whole family having tea or coffee. I never know anymore. I'm just going to assume it's it's coffee or tea. It's Jägermeister. Commercials for Jägermeister. A guy comes out of a hedge. He's covered in mud and blood. <laughs> He's holding one high heel shoe. Did I just eat a stripper? Jäger. There you go. Okay. To the point, direct. Really, it's Alpenheimer. It's Alpenheimer. Uh, right. <laughs> I bet you anything, it's tea. It's probably tea. It's probably water. If I have a British butler, if I have a British butler, it's going to be tea. Well, we know the like, family. It'd be silly not to. Yeah, and, and we know the family does tea time. So, go go ahead. You wonder what? No, no, go ahead. No, no, no I was just going to say, I wonder if 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 you know. If they if they would hire like a like a Mexican lady to work in the kitchen if they want to like tacos for the night or something like that, you know, <laughs> they have to hire or an Argentinian person. You, you got a person to come in and empanadas for you. So they have to <laughs> hire know, like uh, someone of the culture for the ethnically appropriate person. Yeah, exactly. So you want to eat fish? You get the Portuguese guy. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, you want a body hit and you you decide to make Italian that night. <laughs> That's awesome. What? That's awesome. Go on. It's not awesome, but it's awesome, you know. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, they're having tea time. Let's just say they're having tea time. And uh, they're reminiscing on Phil and Vivian's old days. Well, you two have come a long way from that fifth floor walk up you had when Olafami and I were in law school. Oh, boy, those were the days. Oh, we marched on Washington, oh, yeah. stayed sit-ins, yeah. held hunger strikes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Would that have been between breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner? <laughs> But we knew how to partay, too. Did we ever? Oh, remember Woodstock? Yes. 20 of us tried to squeeze into that tent. Vivian and I jumped into that lake naked. I wasn't at Woodstock. <laughs> uh, Will is still taking pictures in this scene. He asks Marge to take a picture, and she just gets a little odd little weird, and she gets up, hides her face, but she pulls out a photo book. Chris, what did you think when you saw that reaction? I thought, wow, she must be in some kind of trouble. Okay. <laughs> but, like, the funny part is, like, now people don't want their photo taken sometimes because if it's on your phone, it could be uploaded in, like, seconds, and everybody can see your picture. But back then, her photo's being taken on film stock. So that film stock, where they have to be taken to, like, a store, or you'd have to go develop it yourself somehow. So by the time the pictures comes out, 
And then what? Did she think that like they're going to run that picture on the newspapers? I don't know. But I guess when you're on the lam, when you're running away from the cops, uh, any little thing like that would make you a little bit paranoid, I think. Yeah, no chances. I mean, there's a there's a chance when the picture gets developed, the guy notices her or recognizes her. You never know. You never know. <clears throat> so, yeah, March pulls out this photo book to distract from the whole picture ordeal. Uh, Hillary grabs the picture book. She's looking through it. And she says... Who are these two? And who's that ugly kid? Vivian goes, well, that's your father and I, and that ugly kid is you. And then, uh, well, then comments Amazing. On, that is amazing. They beat up, uh, they beat up, they beat her up like between Vivian and Phil, which was hilarious. <laughs> she really was like one on three there. She was slapped <laughs> around by her parents. It was awesome. Uh, no, I just wanted to say before Will comments on Hillary's hair. I don't know why this pops me, but he, he said, wow, you got a yabba-dabba-do. And I don't know what the Flintstones have to do with this, but I just understood what he meant. That's funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ashley then comments on Vivian's short skirt in the picture. Phil comments on Viv's legs, saying they made the miniskirt famous. Ashley then says, well, I have mom's legs. Can I wear my skirt that short? And then Phil Phil goes, you have my legs. And the answer is no. <laughs> Dude, I love that so much. You have my legs and the answer is no. Oh, that was so good. And that continues with, uh, you know, sort of Hillary's, uh, Hillary, Ashley's, you know, travels through um, adolescence as we, we, we keep going here. Right. It's almost like for these two episodes, they're not really focused on Ashley all that much. So they have to find ways to put her in the episode a little bit so that her story continues. Yeah. You know, uh, in the previous episode, it was just she got busted for the seven minute shower. And in this episode, she's kind of just like a bit player in between. But, um, yeah, we're definitely making by the time Ashley shows up in season three. It's like this is a completely different human being, Mm -hmm. you know, but this is the last of that cute little young Ashley that we all saw in season one. Mm -hmm. This has been going on for a while. A few episodes ago, like maybe four or five episodes like she starts mentioning boys here and there uh, i remember the uh the episode where will or uh hillary had a catering job uh in order to get ashley to help will says that there was going to be boys and she jumped at the opportunity like that's right it's cool that they've been just kind of sneaking that in there so it's not a big surprise when something actually happens with this storyline right so it is cool yes. i like that they're doing that most shows uh fail in that aspect um see <clears throat> After that, the family says Marge is staying with them, no questions asked, and uh, that Jeffrey should go take her bags. Jeffrey grabs her bag. Marge grabs her bag from Jeffrey and says, I carry my own bags. And then she just drops this, like, crazy shit. My brother, you have been possessed, repressed, and suppressed by capitalism. Don't you know you can be free? (laughs) I was like, damn. Jeffrey says, I've known freedom. Don't like the health plan. And then... uh, Kind of a jab at the family. And then Phil goes to Jeffrey saying, he's not oppressed. He's more our friend. And then I love this. Jeffrey then says, whatever you say. Then he pats his tummy, uh, Phil's tummy, and calls him Phil. We've never heard him say Phil. (laughs) This was cool. (laughs) Yeah, what the hell was that all about? I don't know. I think that... I thought this was kind of weird. I think Phil was kind of embarrassed because Marge said that Jeffrey wasn't free. And right, right, right. Like it's kind of to Phil. So I think Phil kind of felt like an yeah. antagonist. So he kind of went and s- tried to smooth things over, saying he was our friend. And then Jeffrey, of course, takes advantage, pats his tummy, and calls him Phil. That's amazing. Um, yeah, no, for sure. That's exactly how how kind of I took it. Okay. But 
I, I just thought it was interesting how Phil was so awkward about it. He's our friend. You like it here, don't you, buddy? <laughs> like one, he didn't say that, but it was almost like one of those, right? Yeah. Put him in a headlock. You like it here, right? Yeah, I do like it. It was like a gun um, behind so his I back. Was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll come down and you'll eat it and you'll enjoy yeah. it. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely interesting to see Phil and the kind of Jeffrey have this little moment where they look into the mirror and it's kind of like, well, this is the gig. This is the role. She's you are like the butler is. of the house. Yes. And of course, where she comes from, it's kind of like, no man works for no man kind of thing. Each person gets up and you work to maintain your keep and yada, yada, and blah, blah, blah. You know, so I completely yeah. get where she's coming from too. Um, I mean, especially with everything we know about slavery, there is some kind of... Uh, um, a link there, whether it's said or not. I think when you have one of these scenes where they make you look in the mirror at what you have and who you hire and stuff like that, sometimes I get those ideas in my mind. Like, okay, this is a little bit, not necessarily close to home or anything like that, but you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, uh, that's kind of what's being brought into question here is that you have this free black man who's choosing to work as a butler for this family when he should be out being free. That's according to Marge's thinking, right? right? But Jeffrey, if it was so horrible, he would have left a long, long time ago. So obviously he's there, not just for the paycheck, as much as he likes to make fun of the banks, I think he likes it there too. Oh yeah, 100%. He's part of the family. <clears throat> for a price. <laughs> uh, yeah. Next scene... We go to uh, Beller Prep. We're at Will and Carlton's photography class. They're there to hand in their assignments. The teacher there is liking everything he sees. Class dismissed. Oh, whoa, wait, wait, hold up, hold up. Oh, what about our trip to the Maplethorpe exhibit? Uh, don't you want our permission slips? Mine ain't forged this time. <laughs> hey, hey, come on, Cornflake, where's your permission slip? Are you kidding? My parents won't let me look at naked photos, but they thought The Little Mermaid was pornographic. <laughs> Turn me on. see the Maplethorpe exhibit either. Well, actually, none of us is going. It seems that a lot of your parents just don't approve of this exhibit, and since going was my bright idea, I've been fired. What? what? No. Why, hold up. They can't do that. This is an outrage. They can't give us a new teacher now. I mean, I spent the whole semester sucking up to you. And, um... We, this is funny. We keep seeing Cornflake. The return of Cornflake is real. He was in your episode, and now he's in this episode. It seems like he's also getting a bit of a jazz treatment, being more prominent in the roles. Uh, I enjoy him. I like how he tries to just fit in with Will's like lifestyle, Like just tries to be like Will and says things like Will, and it just comes off awkward, but it's funny as hell. Um, but, he, yeah. but he's in that. And uh, so the teacher wants to take the whole class to this field trip that Will brought up. And Will said, I have the admission form and it's not even forged this time, which was hilarious to me. Um, mm. We're going to run the scene. But basically the, the field trip gets canceled because there was going to be nudity. And turns out the parents just didn't support the trip. So that kind of sucks. Chris, did you ever have that happen? Did you ever like get a field trip that you're supposed to go on? But then it got canceled for some kind of parental reason where the parents were opposed to it? Because I can't think of that ever happening to me. No, nothing like that. I mean, I've had trips canceled because there was little to no participation. Like, we couldn't get the numbers. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember one time we were supposed to go to... 
This is in grade school. You know, like in grade school, you always take a trip somewhere close by, like two, three hours away. Like usually for us in Toronto, it's like Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Ottawa is another city here in Ontario that's like a couple hours, two, three hours away. And it's the capital of Canada. And so, you know, but there's a lot of government buildings and it's just a different place there uh, coming from Toronto. So mm-hmm. that was a trip, but we didn't get enough people to go. So we already put down our deposits and everything. And one day after class, the teacher's like, well, the following nine people stay behind. So we're like, oh, wow, we're, we're all in trouble. But then I saw some uh, good kids. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not in trouble because there's some good kids here <laughs> some too. Some good kids. <laughs> and then it turns out we were getting our deposits back because we weren't going on this trip to Ottawa. So uh, that's one time that I can remember, but I've never heard of anything like that. I mean, when we were younger, like it's crazy. Some of the trips that we went on, like you'd never be allowed to go on those trips today. Not that we went anywhere terribly dangerous, but we'd go to like the mall, you know, <laughs> we'd go to like the park. Um, we would go and uh, walk with our teachers near streams, you know, uh, holding hands and things like that. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, nature trails. Yeah, it's true. Taking the bus, like the public transit, like going on public transit with the teachers and everything. So, um, yeah, field trips were always fun, but I've never had them counted for anything silly like that. But the trips that we went on were were all pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. For this little field trip fiasco, the teacher actually got fired. So in the next scene, we're at the bank's house where Will confides in March saying that he can't believe they fired the best teacher Beller preps ever had. March says, you know what? You've been on this for two days. Move on it. Malcolm said, by any means necessary. And Will Will falls in love with this attitude. So then they talk a bit more about Marge's past movement days. Eventually, she says to Will that uh, she's going to call... She's going to call him Hassani. Then Will says, oh, you're just going to diss me right in my face? And then March says, relax. It means handsome. Will calms down and says, okay, I got a name for you too. It's too legit to quit. (laughs) The delivery of this stupid line. Um, She liked it. And then uh, Jeffrey comes in with the parrier from Marge. And then we get the uh, another another weird moment with Marge where uh, Phil and Viv want to take her to a concert. But she declines the invite right away and just starts squeezing the lemon into her water. Again, odd, odd behavior, and uh, we'll see where this goes shortly. Ashley walks in wearing a dashiki, saying, power to the people. This was hilarious. I'm glad. Yeah, it really was. I'm I'm glad Ashley did this because it was more than just like puberty. Um, She literally took what was going on around her and tried to implement it into her own like selfish uh, wants, which was hilarious. Um, Will walks by her, says she looks like Winnie the Pooh Mandela. Uh, her argument <laughs> is that she wants a raise on her allow- allowance or else she'll sit down and not eat her peas. Phil says in her, in the daddest way possible, you will eat your peas. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ashley then says, you know what? I'll spray paint my demand on the pool house wall. And she walks away. Shit. I would have got a beating at first. I like her attitude here though. It's really funny. Oh yeah. She's like into this. She, she's going to get what she wants. Um, at first, Phil and Vivian play it cool in front of Marge, but then immediately go after Ashley, with Vivian even calling her a crazy girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pandemonium. We go back in the kitchen with Marge and Will. The phone rings and Will gets it. And uh, you could hear Will say, well, he's not here right now. I'll let him know. And then he sits and he says, it's the FBI and they're looking for my Uncle Phil. I wonder what he did. And then Marge just straight up says it. They want me. What do you think of this? I liked uh, Will's facials when he got the phone call. He really conveyed 
worry. Right. And as soon as Marge kind of heard FBI, she's like, well, the gig's up. Because as much as she's on the lam running away from the cops, she also realized that she's with this great family. She doesn't want to put any of them in danger. Right. So it's kind of like if they come a knocking, you kind of have to tell them that you're there. But yeah, as soon as I heard FBI and knowing her background, I figured she'd done something crazy. Oh, yeah. I also like that she was just straight up like, they want me. Like, I'm glad this didn't drag on any longer. Um because it would have been dumb. Yeah. Like the FBI is calling the house now. Like, what's up with Phil? Like, it would have been dumb. So I'm glad they just she just straight up said they want me. Um, mm-hmm. So we we kind of get on with uh, the next chapter of this whole story. That was the FBI looking for Uncle Phil. I wonder what they want. They want me. The FBI wants me. What? The FBI? Really? Could you put in a good word for me? I'm thinking of applying. <laughs> she means they're after her, Carlton. She's a fugitive. We're harboring a fugitive? Look, no offense, Marge, but I'm not going to prison over this. No way am I sharing a cell with a woman called Big Mama. <laughs> Marge, I don't understand. What do they want you for? Take your pick. I help a bunch of migrant workers bust out of an internment camp, broken into some federal buildings, shredded a few files, and <laughs> made life pretty damn difficult for the South African embassy baggies. <laughs> Man, and I thought I was doing my part by going to Spike Lee movies. <laughs> Does the government know where you are? They probably know I'm in the area, and they're checking out everybody I know. Oh, no, it's cool, Marge. We're going to stand right behind you, Right. Uh, and it seems like Will and Ashley clearly want to help her, but everyone else thinks otherwise. Uh, Hillary even goes to say that it's a felony that they're harboring a criminal, and she doesn't want to go to jail next to a crazy lady. Um, so, yeah. In the next scene, we're back at Beller Prep, and Carlton is trying to get a petition uh, to get back the teacher that got fired. Uh, we'll also insert the scene, but this is where Will kind of got consumed by Marge's, uh, ways, I guess you could say. Um, Mm -hmm. he has become a radical. He basically gets in and he says, what we need to do is barricade ourselves in here and do a sit in. We need to do all this crazy thing. We need to lock the doors and put like, just, you know, bar the windows. And, uh, Carlton just says, you know what? I think we should all leave. And Carlton actually gets everyone to leave. And, Will stays behind, leaving none other than Cornflake with him. That is awesome. I like that Cornflake is literally this committed to being Will's friend. Where are the safety goggles? Man, my butler forgot to pack. <laughs> well, no. What, what do we do now? Um, we uh, we 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 chant. Um, uh, Attica. Oh man, you smell that? Damn, it's Chimichanga Day in the cafeteria. And they end up boarding up the doors and then they handcuff themselves to the doors and each other. Throughout all this, Cornflake starts hyperventilating and he just, he doesn't know what to do. This is the most excitement he's had in his whole entire life. And, um... To calm him down, they start chanting Attica. And then eventually Will smells food coming from the calf, and I think that's when he breaks the hold. But it's a funny scene. 
Um, what do you think of this scene? What do you think of this whole uh, new Will Smith who is into just going on strike for things he believes in? Well, you kind of knew it wasn't going to end well. No. <laughs> and I do like I did like Cornflake's energy, especially when he's got like the fist up and he goes, <laughs> "Yeah." And Will's like, "Yeah, like him." But that, he's got the right energy, you know. Kind of puts him over a little bit. But it was just so heavy-handed that it couldn't help but be so ridiculous and funny at the same time. Right. And yeah, they're kind of doing this uh, two-person final stand. And then Will smells through the door and he goes, oh, damn it, it's Chimichanga Day at the uh, cafeteria. I forgot. <laughs> and so that's kind of funny. That's right. <clears throat> so in the next scene, Will is telling Marge about uh, his sit-in. He was just saying how great it was. He was proud to do it and she would have been impressed. She actually approves of this. She thinks it's awesome that he did this. Um, Phil, though, walks in and he says, you're proud that... Um, you suspended a, like a kid because Vivian says that this wasn't a joke and that Will should go to his room for being suspended for three days for his antics. Phil kind of calls on March saying, how could you approve of this? And then we finally get a much needed talk between the three of them. Looks like I've had quite an impact on your kids. You're proud of getting a high school kid suspended? If you mean, am I proud to have told him to do anything you have to for what you believe in? Then yes, I am. Marge, when you talk to Will about when we chained ourselves together at sit-ins, you're only giving him the romantic part of the struggle. Girlfriend, you are leaving out everything that went before it. The leaflets, the petitions, the years of trying to work through the system. The system doesn't work. You have to blow the door down. Looks like you forgot that. You talk as if I wasn't there with you in Birmingham facing dogs and fire hoses. This is me, Olafame. The same Olafami that was with you the night Harlem went up in flames. But now I have a family and I choose not to fight in the streets. I have an office to fight from. And I have fought and won cases for fair housing, affirmative action, health care. And I am not ashamed to write a big fat check for something I believe in. And that doesn't make me any less committed than you. So don't you dare look down your damn nose at me, Adebola. I like that they both have right. The, like they're both against Marge, but in different ways. It's cool. And then Marge's whole argument is that it just what she's seen and what she's been through. The system doesn't work, and you have to be this way. It's a really cool thing. Um, it's a serious topic, I'd say. And uh, it, I actually enjoyed the uh, the things that were said because at one point in my life, not that I was a radical, but I always thought about going against the grain because like. I started thinking of things kind of like Marge where it's like, you know what? All this crap where people follow this one thing never works. If this is one way, then why are we like this? Like I just, I went through a crazy thing in high school. So when I hear shit like this, it really speaks to me. But um, Chris, what'd you think of this whole scene with uh, Marge, Phil and Vivian? I thought it was really good, really strong, well acted. I mean, this was something out of, that could easily have been out of, pulled out of a movie. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought Phil's monologue was excellent, his kind of rebuttal to everything that's been happening and how he has to basically explain to her that, yes, things have changed, but now I fight my own way. Might not be out on the street with a fist up in the air, but I can do it now in a courtroom. I can do it through changes to the law, you know, legislature, whatever. So I thought it uh, it was really, really good. 
Because a lot of these freedom fighters, yeah, you're right. They romanticize a lot about how great this is and changing the world and this and that. But they don't tell you the horrible parts about constantly being on the run, constantly wondering if somebody's out to kill you, either the government or a secret agent or some other group that uh, would benefit from your death kind of thing. Or some people that just view you as a vigilante, you know, so... That kind of life, while it's fun and exciting and it makes for a good movie, um, what Vivian says is it's not always as sexy as it sounds and you're only telling one side of it, right? Yeah. So I think there's obviously a deeper conversation to be had here, but I thought it was a really, really good little piece, the way it was written, the way Phil, um, the way everybody acted here to the moment where um, Phil, after getting his way, and then seeing that Marge is about to leave, he kind of softens up a little bit, comes back, and he opens up his hand, and he takes uh, her hand in his, and then he holds onto Viv's hand with his other hand. And they're all three kind of holding hands there. It's just a really powerful uh, moment, really nice little... The way that the characters were framed in that scene, it was really, really powerful. If you've ever held held hands in between two other people in any kind of a setting, you know how powerful that kind of moment can be. So I thought it was a really good scene. I thought it was really important. And it was one of the more serious parts of, I would say, the entire series. But it definitely brings up opinions and conversations that I think are important. And we see a glimpse of what life might have been like if Vivian and Phil had chosen to continue their activism that they did during their college university days, but still have kept it to the street, kind of the way Marge is doing it right now. And I really like when Phil says to her, but you know what? If you ever get tired of running, if you ever get tired of, you know, looking over your shoulder, you can always come back here. The door is open. And of course, you know, he's got the sponsorship of, of, of Viv as well because they're all friends from from back in the day. This is Phil and Viv's version of Ice Tray, I find. It's just somebody that you grew up on the same track and then when you were done going through adolescence, one of y'all's went to go live north of the tracks and one of y'all's went back down to the hood south of the tracks and you're both both your lives, you know, were completely, completely different. But at the center, at the core, when you start picking away at all the skin, there really is a lot of morals and values and political beliefs and things that they've been through as black people coming up in the world that they have in common. So um, strong scene, strong, strong scene. That was absolutely beautiful. Give yourself a round of applause effect when you edit this show, sir. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say anything because that was just, that was perfect. I have nothing to add. You can either make a joke and be an asshole or you can just let it, you know what I mean? I'm not being, I'm not, no, I just have to praise you. No, that's what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't talk shit. Maybe next time. Not now. Uh, <laughs> shit. Fair enough. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so now we're at the kitchen where Marge is making herself a sandwich. We see Will poke his head on the other side of the room, and he makes sure that Phil isn't around. Uh, she says, no, he's at the study or whatever. So he comes down because he got sent to his room for being suspended. And uh, Marge tells him that she's packing up and getting ready to leave. Will says, that's awesome. 
there's a rally going on in DC and that she, sh- uh, she should go. And then she says, maybe I will drop by. Will then says, cool, I'll be ready in 10 minutes. And then she's like, why? And then he's like, cause I'm coming with you. And then, um, March tells him that he's, he's a kid and he belongs at home and it's no place for him. Will says that, you know what? By the time she was 17, she had already burnt her first bra. Then March says, you can't do what I did. And then Will goes, yeah, but I could just go grab one of Hillary's, which I thought was just hilarious to me. That <laughs> was awesome. Was <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So ridiculous. Uh, March says, what I mean is that you have to find your own way. When I was young, we had to blow doors open. And because we did, you get more opportunities. She then says that she's not saying things are perfect now, but now he can fight these battles in boardrooms and voting booth booths, just like his uncle. Will says, yeah, but I thought you said by any means necessary. Then Marge kind of confirms whatever is necessary to you when the courtrooms don't work then you come and find me will then says you're a deep sister abdullah and she says and you're the future hassani sweet little scene there um yeah and the ne- next scene final scene of the show we see jeffrey introduce agent marcus collins of the fbi so the fbi has officially entered the bank's home in search of marge Jeffrey says, if you need me, I'll be upstairs saluting the flag. That was awesome. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. It was delivered so good. Oh, man. That's awesome. And uh, <laughs> Jeffrey's so good. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I'll be upstairs saluting. He doesn't give a shit what's going on here, man. He just, he'll do the jab. I'm just here to work. I don't care. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so now we got the FBI involved in the household. And we'll insert, we'll insert the scene with the um, interaction between Phil and agent Marcus Collins. But basically he's there looking for Marge and he said he has reason to believe that this family has been in contact with her. Phil says, you know what? I know her and she was here, but now she's, she's left. She's not here anymore. And then each member, she's Kaiser Soze. Oh, she's uh, who's that guy that went missing for a long time. Um, Anyway, whatever. I can't think of him. Uh, Kaiser Soze, as you say, um, but everyone in usual suspects, the usual suspect. Okay. That was not worth the interruption. Damn you, Chris. Uh, <laughs> damn it. I got to finish this segment. Um, basically everyone in that living room, I think Hillary's there. Uh, Vivian's there. I think Carlton's there. I'm not sure. Maybe it's Ashley. But everyone says that she went somewhere else. So everyone's like, oh, damn. But I thought she said she was going here and I heard she was going there. So they literally have no answer for this uh, FBI agent. And then he basically says, you know what, uh, Philip Banks, I'm very um, I'm kind of disappointed in you since you are, you know, a judge. And Phil puts him in his place. Can't do it justice. We'll run the scene. But damn, he really says, you know what? I know what my priorities are. And we kind of end the scene there and everyone gets a uh, nice little clap and applause. And that is the end. Chris, what do you think of this last little segment to close off everything? Are you happy that Marge continued running and didn't take Phil up on that offer? Because I was kind of hoping that she would not, I guess, turn herself in. I don't know. Something like that. I feel like in this show, the especially when the topics get really serious, sometimes the ending is also serious. And what I mean by that is it doesn't it doesn't always have that happy classic Hollywood ending. Right? It's actually really realistic. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean obviously the classic example is the episode of uh 
Will and his father? Yes. You think that one's going to, might end with, hey, maybe Will goes on this trucking trip with his dad for a couple of weeks and then comes back, ends up not happening. Spoiler alert. But, yeah, so when she decides to stay running from the cops out on the lam, to me it makes sense. It's the proper finish. Right. Yeah. Cannot and then the FBI you, yeah. shows up and there's a really, really good interaction between Phil and the cop. And the cop basically says to him, you know what, sir, you should be ashamed of yourself because somebody like you should know kind of, I forget what the word he said, basically know like your role or your Since he is whatever a judge involved in, in, law in stuff, helping, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should get your pr- responsibilities or something. Priorities. And Phil says, yes. yeah, he goes, Phil says, I do have my priorities straight. Yeah. He goes, Carlton, show officer, Bobbity boop to the door. <laughs> so, um, if you need me, I'll be upstairs saluting the flag. <laughs> Philip Banks, my wife, Vivian. Hello. How do you do? I understand you're acquainted with a woman named Margaret Smallwood. I have reason to believe she's been in contact with you, Mr. Banks. Really, what would that reason be? We tap every black person's phone in the United States of America. <laughs> Just a little FBI humor. <laughs> But seriously, folks, harboring a fugitive can have grave repercussions. Marjorie Smallwood is a very close personal friend of mine. I consider myself privileged to know her. She was here, but she left sometime this afternoon. Do you have any idea where she was headed? As a matter of fact, she said she was going to a nuclear power plant in uh, Texas. Ah, but then again, she did mention a migrant workers camp in uh, Salinas. No, honey, she said she was going to a voter's registration drive in Biloxi. Well, I thought she was just going to Saks. (laughs) Oh, get the heck out of here. Y'all mean she ain't in the bathroom? (laughs) I must say I'm disappointed in you, Mr. Banks. I would have thought a man in your position would be more aware of his responsibilities. I know exactly what my responsibilities are. Son, would you show Agent Collins to the door? Hmm. By the way, I don't think we've met. Ricky Ricardo. <laughs> yeah, really good finishing scene. A very serious episode. This one wasn't fucking around. No. Uh, but I enjoyed it. There is we're a- not, you know, we're not playing footsies under the table here. We know exactly what we're getting with this episode. Right. There is a running gag, though, of Carlton saying that he wants to be in the FBI. And then when he... Shows the FBI agent at the door. He introduces himself, and that's where it ends. I thought it was ridiculous. Didn't need to be in there. I didn't like it, but whatever. That's my opinion. Before we get into our scores, let me just go into some final thoughts, trivia facts, and goofs. Trivia. After Will and Cornflake handcuffed themselves to the classroom door, they began chanting, Attica, Attica. This is a nod to the film Dog Day Afternoon, in which a character chants it at the police... uh, at the police in protest, the chant itself refers to the Attica prison riots of 1971, during which prisoners took over a prison in protest of poor treatment. That's that's crazy. I might actually watch that. Sounds good. Um, and then I think we have a goof here. When Agent Collins comes looking for Marge, he states her full name as Margaret Smallwood. But a moment later, Phil calls her Marjorie Smallwood. I think that that's just Phil giving her a sp- a cute little nickname. I don't think that's actually a continuity error, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is the only goof I found. And then I also got some um, 
background on the actress that played Marge. Her name is... Pe- oh, cool. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. Her name is Peggy Blow, and her first role was something called... Rat- what a name. <laughs> yeah. Peggy Blow. Uh, <laughs> Peggy Peggy in Portuguese means, like, take it. So her name is Take It and Blow. Um, terrible. First ever role was in 1978. She played Bunny on Rabbit Test. I don't know what that is. I, I hope it's a cartoon. Uh, she later made her... Um, <laughs> You know, appearance on this show in 1992, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. After that, shortly she appeared on an episode of Seinfeld, which is a very popular show. And uh, she was on one episode, she played a male clerk in 1997. And a year later, she would make her um, another another appearance on another popular show, The Wayne's Brothers. She played Crazy Mary on the episode Help a Brother Out. She was also on That's So Raven, which is a personal favorite of mine. I grew up in the 2000s. Bite me. And mm-hmm. um, and she's been acting ever since. And her last actual role wrapped up last year when she was in the TV series On My Block. She played Ruby's Abuela. So really cool. This woman is has continued acting and she still seems to be active from what I can tell. Yeah, she has a lot of bit parts, but my... God, she's been in everything that has a name. Everywhere. She's been on ER, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, The Nanny, Melrose Place, Murphy Brown, Seinfeld, Wayne's Brothers, City of Angels TV show. Ooh, (laughs) never seen that. That sounds... Uh, Dexter. There's another Dexter. Who the fuck was he? Because I'm good on Dexter. He played Florencia Estrada, surprise motherfucker, in 2012. Okay, so that's uh, from 2012. Okay, so that's from a while back. Yeah. Mm, there you go. He was on Castle. She was on Castle. Uh, and that's all I recognize. If anybody else recognizes On My Block, she was in that one for two years. That seems to have been on our last gimmick. So that's cool. Peggy Blow. What a cool name. Yep. She gets the cool name of the episode. That's cool. That's a cool name. Um, yeah, she has been in everything. Primetime TV, all her life, three decades of acting. And um, she was actually born in West Germany, which is pretty cool. Right. Pretty, pretty cool. Anyways, before we get into that uh, ratings, Chris, tell me your zinger of the episode. Yeah, so the zinger of the episode, uh, I think I wrote a couple, didn't I? I did. Yes, you did. Um this is when Will says to Carlton, who's taking all these ridiculous photos, he goes, this is a photography assignment, not a Prince video, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. And then another interaction, uh, Will says, my horoscope says that I'm going to be a famous rapper with a TV show. And Hillary Banks says, oh, those things are so stupid. What does mine say? <laughs> so Will says, yours says, be prepared for a fall. Remember, accidents may happen. And Hillary scoffs and says, those things are stupid. And she leaves. <laughs> Um, but I thought the last, uh, I thought Phil's monologue was really good. Looks like you forgot that. You talk as if I wasn't there with you in Birmingham facing dogs and fire hoses. This is me, Olafami. The same Olafami that was with you the night Harlem went up in flames. But now I have a family and I choose not to fight in the streets. I have an office to fight from. And I have fought and won cases for fair housing, affirmative action, health care. And I am not ashamed to write a big fat check for something I believe in. And that doesn't make me any less committed than you. So don't you dare look down your damn nose at me, Adebola. Dang! Mike dropped. Sonny. 
while you're talking, tell me your score or your rating. What did you think of the episode? I thought it was a really good episode. I thought it was a good combination of funny parts as well as serious stuff. I thought uh, uh, I really enjoyed the character of March. I thought she brought a, a little bit of breath of fresh air. And her hold over how she is able to impact the children in a short amount of time just goes to how how good she is. I mean, to be these these kind of people that, that push for different uh, programs, they have to be the best salespeople in the world. And if you can change somebody's way of thinking, you become a very, very powerful person. So she was able to do that in quick succession with the kids. And so, of course, at the end, it's kind of... Phil and Viv have to put a stop to it because it's kind of like, look, you're getting these kids suspended. Like, what the hell is going on here? What is the end game? You know, um, these ideas that you put into the kids have real uh, have real repercussions when it comes to what happens afterwards. So I thought she was a really good character. Um, and I just thought it was a really it's a unique episode. It's nice to mix it up and, and bring out the real life issues and things like that. So. Uh, overall, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. A really good episode. 9 out of 10. That is Chris's score. As for me, um, I think I'm going to give it a solid 8 out of 10. Um, you said the word before. Unique is exactly what this episode is. It's um, touching on like activisms and r- radicals and just you know standing for what you believe in this is a woman that we've never really seen her type on this show before and the fact that they she has deep rooted ties to will and uh not will phil and vivian and how they used to follow that path as well is really cool to hear to hear about and to see and um all those years later it's what it's just like you say one stayed on that path and the other one you know just did something else with their lives and none of that is right or wrong however the the uh, legal system believes otherwise in Marge's case, but I thought it was a good episode. Well acted. Phil was very powerful in his delivery with that whole, uh, the sentiment at the end. I think that will as a curious character, he was great. He really, you could see that her influence really got to him because he was taking what he learned from her and applying it to things like doing a sit in at school handcuffing himself to the door so there's a lot of things that they did where yeah she was a big influence to the kids even carlton with the petition as small as that was i don't think he would have ever brought that up otherwise um actually full out dressed up in a dashiki and went to go try to get a bigger allowance like that was it was good man we really saw this one woman come into this show and for what she believed in was so different than what the kids have been taught and what the parents have done that they just looked at her and said, wow, this is interesting. Maybe we can we can do something similar. So no denying she was in, she, she made an impact. Now, the subject matter of the show, very serious, I'd say, um, you know, being a radical is no joke. Going against a, a legal system is no joke. And we kind of see the repercussions here of what that can lead to. And uh, it's all at the end of the day it's whatever you believe in are you going to fight for it or not in your own way and that's what marge's character is here to show us whether you agree with it or not that is your personal opinion and that's why the episode is great it's not right and it's not wrong it's just showing you a side of things that you have to swallow and you have to see so uh, i'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 when it was funny it was funny 
And when it was serious, it did a great job at uh, conveying the message to the audience. So that's what I got. Yeah, man. Well said. I well try. said. Yeah, good episode. Yeah. And definitely. it's so funny because these last two episodes, I don't think I'd seen any of them ever. So these were two new episodes that were brand new into my uh, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air knowledge. You, you've seen these, but for whatever reason, they, they you forgot about them, eh? Uh, this one, I don't remember everything, but I do remember some of it. Uh, but the other one with yeah. Double Trouble, I didn't I didn't remember it all. But uh, that's a favorite of mine yeah. now. So Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, I hadn't seen this episode. So especially after I saw Phil's monologue in that final scene, I was just like, damn, this Impressive. is a really good episode. I was really enjoying it. Right. Like, don't get me wrong. The scene where we're going to see with Phil, uh, with Phil, Phil and Viv, Will and his father later on. Yeah. What season is that, by the way, when his father comes in? Is that season three, season four? Is that later on? I'm not sure. I think five or six. Okay. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. So, right. Because by then it was new Aunt Viv. So it's at least four or five or six. Yeah. And I think Will. It's new Aunt Viv. Will was already like college and stuff, you know, so. Right. So. Even though I love that scene, I've seen it so much that I can't really get emotionally lost. It's just been played to death. Like, you know what I mean? That scene, I'll see it on Instagram pop up like every once a month. It'll pop up like, look at this amazing piece of acting. And it is. It's great. But it's just been held up to this prestige so long and so high that uh, I would argue Phil's monologue here puts, contends in, in my heart for kind of one of the best promos in the entire show this one and this one also reminded me of the one that he cuts on the cops that arrested will and carlton and detained them Mm -hmm. remember that when they were bringing up their boss's car yeah so i thought that was a good promo by phil so i know the will father is number one in a lot of people's favorites it's not mine um but this is definitely on that list for me having just watched it today for the first time Really, really good, strong monologue, finishing promo there by Phil Banks. I'm interested to know if you're just going through a honeymoon period because, yeah, this was good, but I don't think it touches the Will and Father stuff. I really don't. Um, I watched that recently, and it still brings a tear to my eye because it's so damn good. Um, yeah. But I could appreciate the dissenting opinion. Uh, that's why this is fun because everyone has their own flavors and tastes and favorites. So it's cool. When we get to it, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, dissecting it more. Uh, that is one that I always think about when I think of this show. So that is one of my favorite episodes. But that is it for episode 20. Cool. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the whole thing. We'll be right back for our closing after some Eric B. and Rakim. <laughs> Sweat the technique. Don't sweat the technique. Let's trace the hits and check the file. Let's see who bit the dot tech the style. I flip the script so they can't get filed. At least not now, it'll take a while. I change the pace to complete the beat. I drop the bass, two MCs get weak For every road they trace, it's a scar they keep Cause when I speak, they freak to sweat the technique 
I made my debut in 86 With a melody in a president's mix And now I stay on target and refuse to miss And I still make hits for beats Parties, clubs, and cars and jeeps My underground sound vibrates the streets MCs wanna beef, then I play for keeps When they sweat the technique Don't sweat the technique Know how many bombs have I ripped and wrecked But research has never found all the pieces yet Scientists try to solve the context Philosophers are wondering what's next Pieces took the lab to observe them They couldn't absorb them, they didn't deserve them My ideas are only for the audience ears For my opponents it might take years Pencils and pens and swords Letters put together from a key to cause I'm also a sculpture, born with structure Because of my culture, I'm a ripper constructor Style out of beat full of technology complete Sights and new heights after I get deep You don't have to speak, just see And peep the technique But don't sweat the technique Then I get deep in the beat, then complete Pull the physique, never weak or obsolete They never grow old techniques, become antiques Better than something brand new, cause it's original In the wild, style I have much more value Classical, too intelligent to be radical Masterful, never irrelevant, mathematical Here's some soothing souvenirs for all the years You fought the sword, the thoughts and ideas It's cool when you freak to the beat But don't sweat the technique Don't sweat the technique Don't sweat the technique All right, every booty, that's going to do it for another week of the podcast Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, episode number 24. Damn! We'll be back next week with episode 25 of uh, the podcast Fresh. Thank you so much, everybody, for downloading this episode. You can follow us on Instagram at Podcast Fresh, YouTube at Podcast Fresh, Facebook, take a wild guess, Podcast Fresh, <laughs> and we're also at Twitter at Podcast Fresh T-O. So you can follow us on there. We always have a, a bevy of stuff for you guys to look at, especially if you follow us on Instagram, where you can figure out, uh, you can find a bunch of different stuff. We try to keep our Instagram stories fun and fresh and um, newsworthy, so you can come on there and look at stuff, and you can also get clips from the show as well. Also, don't forget, you could write us uh, at podcastfresh2020 at gmail.com. If you want to follow our personal accounts, you can do so by following Chris at Torres Unlimited on Instagram and myself at official underscore acapello on Instagram. Check me out. I do music. I say this every week. I'm going to stop saying it now. And um, also, remember, every weekend we have a new Podcast Fresh Cafe episode that comes out. Uh, I think we're going to be hitting the big episode 10 so that's exciting 10 episodes of that one already um last one was great wow yeah time has flown i feel like we just started that one <laughs> wow yeah man um 
I would definitely recommend the cafe if anybody hasn't listened to it yet. It's a really nice, almost you know, forty forty split wrestling video games, and then there's a sprinkling of uh, serious news stories of the world, and then whatever random stuff we can come up with will also be on the show. This last episode, Ryan, what was in the video game section? Just give us a little recap. Yeah, the video game section. We went through the um, the PlayStation State of Play. Went through every game. We gave our opinions on it, our thoughts on it. Um, if it's something that we were familiar with, we went into it. But it was just fun, like seeing something for the very first time and just like being like, "Holy crap, this looks great!" Uh, so you get our reactions there. And then I always present a question, a a new segment that I just introduced. Uh, it's called Old School versus New School. And basically what it is, is I come up with a question or someone will ask me a question that I ask on this show. And it's a good talking point for me and Chris. So this past episode, uh, the question was, what are your top five uh, PlayStation 1 games? And um, we met, we went back and forth and it was pretty cool that our games were pretty much for the most part different. It wasn't the same thing. I think there was only one game that were, were in both of our lists. So that was really cool. If you like that kind of convo, go on there, check that out. And uh, yeah, we'll be taping a new episode on Thursday and that'll come out this weekend. Definitely. You're more the wrestling guy probably and I'm definitely more the video game guy. But we are in the know in both subjects. That's why it's a good conversation. But um, yeah, every weekend, Podcast Fresh Cafe, new episode comes out. That's a really good episode. Uh, really good show. Big fan. And of course, every Wednesday, a new Fresh Prince of Bel-Air comes out. So that leads me to say we will see you next week. We'll see you guys next week on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We have Vying for Attention. And I will tackle the episode where Will's mom comes to visit with your new boyfriend. And Will has problems with sharing his mom with another man. That reads funny, but you get what they're going with that one. (laughs) And then Ryan takes on the aunt who came to dinner Will and Carlton set up dates with two French women visiting L.A. Their parents were supposed to be going away for the weekend. But when Will's aunt shows up unexpectedly, everyone's plans change. So those two should be fun. Ryan, anything else? No, that sounds wild. I can't wait for that. (laughs) Yeah, those two should be good. As always, follow us on Instagram, Podcast Fresh. And we will see you guys this weekend for the Podcast Fresh Cafe. Stay fresh. How about another one? Can you do another one? I think you can. A little girl is sitting on the swing. Not swinging. A tear rolls down her cheek. Where's daddy? Jaeger. There you go. How about a third one? Can you do another one, you think? You guys are great. Okay. A guy, let's call him me, is fucking the left eye of a pumpkin, okay? If that pumpkin didn't want it, why was it smiling at me? Jaeger. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to teach. I'm teaching. All right, you're up, Admiral. Thanks. Lieutenant. Hey, let me let me tell you something. Let me drop some knowledge on you. Yeah. Okay. If at night you gotta take a shit and you go to the toilet at eleven fifty nine, okay? Uh PM. You sit there and you're taking a shit and the clock rolls past midnight. That's literally same shit, different day. <laughs> 
you fucking monkey. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> At least you popped yourself. That's <laughs> <laughs> fucking oh, good shit. Ah. Uh, Oh, Shout out to Nelson for that one. <laughs> and to go on this game show was his last desperate wish before he takes that old dirt nap. <laughs> That's decent, Will. What he got? Um, uh, he got uh, he got Betty Davis eyes. Well, can I borrow your Walkman? I'm going out for a five-mile run. Yo, this don't sound right. And you call yourself a friend. I, I, so I lie. But, but come on, y'all, I want to win that car. I mean, and to win on these game shows, you got to be, you know, Carlton-like. I don't get it. His point exactly. <laughs> Podcast Fresh.